a Heart for East Asia podcast from OMF US. What a joy it is to talk today with Kat Tang, an OMF missionary in Taiwan with her husband and two children. Thank you so much for taking time to share with us today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I say missionary in Taiwan, but you're currently here in the States. And just for a short time, I think, tell us where you're at, what you're up to here, and about your family. So I'm, my hometown is in Houston. So I'm in Houston, Texas. And uh, for home assignment, we're only back for three months this time. So we came back at the very end of December or very end of November. So we've just been around for, you know, the winter months and it's been very busy. We've been, we had a lot of uh, sharing scheduled. So at churches, at small groups, and then just meeting up with individual uh, partners. So it's been tiring, but also nice to reconnect with people as well. I think that's one of our favorite things is just being able to reconnect with people and and hear updates on how they're doing and, and yeah, to just meet up with people. Is that three-month home assignment unusual? I'm used to it being longer. I mean, that's a lot <laughs> of work for a short amount of time just to turn around and then go back again. Yes. So actually, we had only just come back for a home assignment uh, a couple of years ago. So last time we went back was in 2021. So about the same time in 2021, in March, early March. Um, but because our oldest daughter, Jovi, she begins uh, first grade this fall. So once she starts school, we wouldn't be able to come back during the school year. So we figured, you know, before she starts school, we'll squish in one more visit back to the States just briefly. So these three months. And then um, hopefully, you know, when she starts school, we'll be able to come back in the summer. Um, that way we don't really have to worry about her transitioning between schools in Taiwan and then here in the States. Uh, and then we can just spend time with people in the summer. Yeah. I was going to ask how the how the girls made this adjustment coming back to the States. They... Um, so they enjoy going to school. They're in daycare right now. And um, the oldest one loves it because it's the same school she was at last time. And she still remembers the teachers. The younger one had a harder time uh, getting in. But a month later, she was fine. So now she enjoys it as well. But we're about to go back. Uh, but I think one one difference we notice is that um, because we're here shorter and the place that we're renting uh, temporarily doesn't have a playground. We've realized that our older one, she gets bored a lot easier. So she often says, you know, I, I want to go back home. I want to go back to Taiwan where my friends are. And, and so I often have to remind her, I was like, well, home is, you know, mommy's home is here too. So we have to spend time with family and friends here also. So yeah, we so we've heard it a lot more this time. <laughs> I always, that's always interesting to me because people will ask when you're on home assignment, how does it feel to be home? And that can be kind of a, a nebulous thing. So it's interesting where your daughter thinks of mm -hmm. home as one place. How do you answer that? Where is home for you? Um, I think home, slowly both have become home to me. I mean, I've been in Taiwan for 16 years now, so it's become home. But I think coming home to Houston where, you know, my friendships have been since, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, and the people who know me, the people who are from the same background and culture and environment as I've been used to, I think there's always a comfort in that as well. Um, but I think home in Taiwan, you know, you, you get used to it as well. You can function and um, you have a home there too, you know, and you've got friends that you've made there as well. So I think 
I can go either way, but you know, when you're in one place, you think about the other place. And when you're back in that other place, you think about the other one. So you just go back and forth and you, I, I guess you just get used to it. Yeah. Our blog readers uh, might be familiar with you. I'll link uh, your stories in the episode notes. But in the first one you wrote, when I first went to Taiwan as a missionary, I didn't think I'd end up doing rural church planting, much less be someone who could start a new team in a completely new place. I had my mind set on doing what I was comfortable doing as well as living in the city where I was comfortable. Take us back to before. How did you see your life going and how did God move you from where you were to where you are now? So before I joined OMF, I worked as a, a child development director at a child development center. And then I worked as an elementary school teacher for a few years as well. So that's what I, I love teaching and I love interacting with kids. And it was something I thought, you know, I could do that for the rest of my life. Um, eventually, God led me into thinking about long-term ministry so I'd gone to a few conferences, you know, Christian conferences for people interested in long-term ministry. And I thought, you know, I would go to seminary, come back, maybe work in the church, either as a youth director or a worship director or something like that. Uh, but then I went to a, a, the last conference I went to, I think, before I joined OMF was for people interested in ministry and mission. And obviously I was on the ministry side, uh, but then we were challenged for those of us in minister, on the ministry track, we were challenged to think about um, giving a year to mission, to be open to that. And so at that retreat, I actually, you know, prayed that God would open the door for me to go somewhere for a year. And that led me to OMF. So I applied for an internship with OMF for a year, thinking it would just be a year. <laughs> And then um, that's how I ended up in Taiwan, because since I was only doing one year, they said I should go somewhere where I already had the language. And since I grew up speaking conversational Mandarin, you know, um, Taiwan needed people. So I was sent to Taiwan, now, having not known what they were doing or didn't meet anyone in OMF there until I landed. So it was very new and, uh, yeah, fresh. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I was there for a year. I had horrible culture shock just because, you know, I, because I look Asian. I, I mean, I am Asian. I look like I'm from within their own community. So I think people just assume that I was a local Taiwanese. So uh, I think expectations were on me that that should not have been since I, you know, never grew up in that environment before. So it was pretty horrible for me the first year. But by the end of the first year, you know, I kind of felt like I had just started building, you know, relationships and friendships with people. And then my year was over and it was not enough. So I, you know, I prayed about it. Um, thankfully, our director gave me kind of like a, a month to come back to the States and just get myself back in order. Um, and then I went back for a second year and my second year was great. I actually didn't really have as much cultural shock anymore. I, I, I guess I got it all out of the way my first year. <laughs> and so my second year, I could really focus on um, ministry and, and building those relationships as well. And by the end of my second year, I just said, oh, I, you know, I think this might be where I'm headed. So uh, eventually that led me to applying to OMS 
or I went off to seminary first and then I joined OMF uh, officially. Yeah. Did you have any view at that point of what you wanted to do or were you just open to anything that might, uh, that, that where God might lead? Mm -hmm. So at the time, so during my internship, those two years, I was with a church planting team in Taipei. So in a big city, um, and but in like a very working class, like, um, I guess it would be the ghetto of Taipei. <laughs> so even local people, you know, they would say, hey, where are you living? I said, oh, I live in Wanghua. And they were like, oh, why do you live there? <laughs> so <laughs> local people don't like to go there, you know. So, um, but I, that was Taiwan to me, was was where I lived. And so I loved living there. I loved the people there. And um, yeah, and I enjoyed what I was doing, like within the ministry. But I think eventually, you know, um, I was asked to consider doing the Serve Asia uh, coordinator role when I came back as a long-termer, uh, since I think I was one of the youngest ones on the field at the time. So they were like, oh, you know, young people, you can connect with young people better. So I took on the role of Surveysia coordinator when I went back in 2011. So I did that for about five years. And because the Surveysia coordinator role took on a lot of time, I actually had to decrease my uh, involvement in local ministry, the local Taiwan ministry. Uh, but I still was involved with the the um, church planting one in Wanghua. Yeah. Jump us ahead now to where you're at right now, uh, the, the sort of work that you're doing, and then tell us about the people that you work with and interact with in, in your ministry and their response to the gospel. So now in 2019, uh, my husband Pulta and I, we moved to Meisan in Taiwan. So Meisan is in Jiayi County, which is in South Central Taiwan. And it's a very rural town. So they're actually on the weekends, it's not very rural because we get lots of tourists come through because they go up into the mountains where there's Taiwan's longest and highest suspension bridge. So the weekends, Meisan is packed with tourists. But during the week, it's just this empty, quiet town. So population is only about 19,000 when we got there, but it's now only at 18,000, slowly decreasing because it's a very elderly uh, town. So lots of um, elderly people, their children have moved on to the cities uh, and they really only move back because, you know, they've started a family and they need their parents' help to watch the kids while the, you know, the parents go off to work. So our... Um, we actually interact with a lot of young families, which is great for us because that's our stage in life right now. Um, so those are the people that we we try to minister to and build relationships with. Um, so with Rural, their community pretty much is uh, centered around the temple. So in terms of faith, uh, that's where their faith comes from is the local temple. And so you're dealing with people who have that as their background from birth. And it's kind of like how, you know, I grew up in church. That's all I knew growing up. And for them, it's the same thing. They grew up going to the temple. So that's that's what they know. And that kind of makes up their worldview and determines, you know, lots of different uh, things in their lives, like the decisions they make and everything. So um, it's hard. It's, a, it's definitely difficult to share the gospel with people um, there because that's their identity, you know. And um, we feel like before we start talking too much about the gospel, we really want to understand their worldview first and what they think of their own faith so that we know 
um, how to approach the conversation with them when the time comes. Yeah. So it is difficult, but I also feel like it's not difficult because God gives us opportunities to, to do that. And with us being there, we're one of the only Christians around there. So there is one Presbyterian church, but I actually have not ever met a single other Christian in the town. And so a lot of the people that we've already built relationships with, we're kind of their um, their Christian uh, person that they go to when they have questions. So we get asked questions about like, oh, I thought Christians couldn't have tattoos, you know, or, or you know, how, are you allowed to eat, you know, the stuff that we worship to the idols? Because they're a very loving community and they always give us food. So we never have to buy fruit. They're always giving us lots of fruit and vegetables. And um, oftentimes they're things that have been offered to the idols first and have been blessed. And so, you know, we have neighbors, elderly neighbors who worry that we'll get sick if we eat it. So, you know, they ask a lot of questions about our faith. And so I think it opens the door for us to share more about um, what they, you know, kind of help them see what Christians are like and break their mindset of, or maybe they have some assumptions of what Christians were like. and. Um, so we have opportunities to, to share about that with them. You also wrote in one of the blog articles, and again, a link will be in the episode notes about partnership, the importance mm -hmm. of building partnerships. I wonder if you could just talk about that a little bit and how important that is to what you do. With partnerships, you know, we uh, serve in the local elementary school and we also have a story time with the local library and the partnerships with the local institutions I guess, um, are really important for us because they kind of, you know, if the school trusts us, if the librarian trusts us, then they will help to promote some of our activities. And then they also tell, you know, the parents who we try to get to know, they kind of vouch for us. They say, these are our trusted volunteers. You know, we, we know them, we trust them, we love what they do, you know, even though they're not Christians but they help to promote our activities. And so um, maintaining a good partnership with them uh, is very important to us because once that breaks, you know, we can't get back into the, we can't get back into the school. We can't get into the library. And then because it's such a small and tight knit community, you know, essentially our doors are closed everywhere. So we have to be very careful. And then we also try to be very respectful of them as well. So within the confines of the school, we never, you know, outright share the gospel. We don't pray there or anything like that because, you know, obviously that's not allowed, but, you know, we, we feel like we don't want to even try to push the boundaries a little <laughs> just because if you push it too far, that might be the end. So we we want to be respectful of, of that, that partnership that we have. Um, and then another partnership we have with just local Taiwanese churches. So we have um, short-term teams that come serve with us in the winter and in the summer of our summer activities. And um, I think as a missionary, one of our roles is learning how to um, to pass on the vision of working class ministry to them. But also, you know, we don't want them to just come and help us. We we actually have things to contribute, which is, you know, helping them uh, uh, learn about the six ways to be involved with mission. A lot of churches don't do a lot of mission education or they don't have the resources to do mission education. So we're there to help them. Um, you know, thankfully, OMF has a ton of stuff. So we're able to use those things. And in their orientation, in their debrief, we kind of 
help them work through that process and give them resources to use and, um, yeah, think through their role in God's mission and their church's role in in the mission and things like that. So that's how we we view partnerships with the local church. Are there any specific plans uh, when you get back, anything that's on the agenda for 2024 or just a continuation of what you've been building all this time? Um, yeah, so we we do have to maintain the ministries that we still have right now. But, you know, one of our challenges is that we don't, my husband and I are the only um, OMF workers there. So it's hard to do more when we already have to maintain what we do have, which is quite a bit of um, various ministry activities. Uh, but I am hoping in this next year ahead that we'll be able to start a women's small group or a mother's small group or something, because there's a that's one of the needs there in Maysan that I've I've come to learn about is, you know, there's a ton of um, young women who married to Maysan. So their husbands are are Maysan people. And so what, they've got a family now, so they moved back to Maysan. And you've got these young mothers who are living with the in-laws and it's a complete, you know, uproot of their life from the, a lot of them are from the big city, you know, and they've moved to Maysan. And just like me, you're getting used to living life in the rural and then um, just adjusting to life in the rural and then adjusting to life living with family as well. And so they have a lot of uh, frustrations <laughs> and, you know, just uh, different concerns, I think. And they vent that out in this mother's chat group that I'm a part of. And I really feel for them, you know, because they, they're they looking for friends. They're looking for people to, to talk to and to share with. And so I've always had, you know, once I joined that group and started realizing that this was an opportunity, I just really have a burden to start a ladies ministry there. But um, I think, you know, capacity wise, I'm pretty much at the most that I can do. And so I don't want to start something if I can't keep it going for a long time. So we're hopeful that, you know, if we have other workers join us, that we can kind of disperse the responsibilities more and then we can start a, a women's group. Yeah. I think I've seen that in your your uh, newsletter a few times. Mm-hmm. We're looking for help. There's things that we could do if yeah. we had other people here. Yes, yeah. Well, there are always challenges that come with with being a missionary that can be a bit difficult to grasp for those of us who are not serving in another country. Um, and as part mm-hmm. of this time in the States, you're doing workshops, and one is springing from an article that someone else wrote called, uh, Dear Supporter, There's So Much More I Wish I Could Tell You. And mm-hmm. so people can get the, the the gist of it. It was broken down into these sections. I wish I could tell you that lots of times I feel like a total failure. I wish I could tell you about my personal struggles. I wish I could tell you about the perks. I wish I could tell you that I long for more of a connection with you. And there's one more that mm-hmm. I'll save for just a moment. But based on the ones I just read, and as you prepare this workshop that you're going to be speaking on, which one of those resonates with you the most? Um. I think it's the the one towards the end, which is, I wish I could tell you that I long for more connection with you. And I think it's just because, you know, once we move overseas, we out of sight, out of mind. And I think that's, it's, uh, you know, life goes on for people on the home side once we've left. You know, they're busy with their families and their jobs and everything. And it's easy to, once we're gone, to just forget about us because, well, we know we said, you know, people at home support us financially, but, you know, we would love to still be able to hear from people um, 
while we're away. And I think because, you know, we send out our newsletters and we say, please let us know every single time we always ask, please let us know how things are going so we can pray for you. And I think that's something people at home don't realize is that missionaries do want to pray for the people (laughs) that that partner with us. You know, we want to know what's going on in your lives as well, Uh, because it's awkward when we come home and we don't know, you know, sometimes I come home and somebody's, um, you know, mother or father has passed away and I didn't even know, you know, and I wish I had known. I would have sent an email or or sent a card or something, you know, just to express my condolences. But I think a lot of times people, you know, we're just one out of so many people within their circle. So, um, yeah, so I think it's, it's, we really long for that connection with people at home uh, because they're the ones that make it possible for us to be out there. They're the ones that we're friends with, that we know. Um, I think a lot of times when we're out on the field, sometimes it feels like, I mean, especially for us in Maysad, you know, there's no other Christians around us. So all the people around us are non-Christian and it's hard for us to share, um, like I, I sometimes I feel like I can't be my full self around them. Like the Christian side of me can't all come out, you know, because things that I talk about, they wouldn't under understand, you know? So um, that part, that spiritual connection with people is with people at home. And I miss that a lot because I think, you know, when you have that spiritual connection, um, when you talk about the things in life, there's things you have that hope together, you know? And yeah, so I wish people at home knew how much missionaries do want to connect with them, to hear from them. And it doesn't even have to be like big life changes. I always say my favorite thing is there was this um, older man in our our Chinese congregation, uh, somebody who's seen me since I was a youth. And he had replied to one of my newsletters and he just said, the only thing he wrote was, hey, I had lunch. You know, my wife and I had lunch with your parents today. And then this is what we ate. And it was like a list of the food they had at the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> and I, and he just said, that's all I wanted to tell you. And I just thought that was so funny to read. And um, it was just so nice to get that email because I felt like one, he took the time to reply. And then two, he was just telling me about something normal that he did. And it was so nice to hear that. And I wish people would just write and say, hey, you know, I had a coffee today. I was thinking of you. That's it. <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> well, and you know, it's just, and I can see it from the other side. It's like, well, we're supposed to be supporting you, and we don't want to be a burden mm-hmm. to you because we know that you know you're you're busy and you're doing all this sort of stuff. So it's interesting to hear it from your side because I think there's a little, possibly for some people, a little bit of guilt. Like I don't want to burden you with what's going on in my life. You've got enough uh-huh. going on, right? We're supposed to be <laughs> supporting you. Yeah, but honestly, you know, I feel like we're still just living a normal life, except in another place, you know, and our full-time job is is to reach out to non-Christian people. But, you know, we still want to keep up with friends at home. We want to, I think that's part of the normalcy for us is to feel like we're still, I guess, kind of in a digital small group with people where we can hear how they're doing, we can know how to pray for them. And I think that's the hardest thing is because we don't know how to pray for people. We can only, we just pray very generic prayers, you know, for our partners because we don't know, you know, how to specifically pray for them. So I think if there's one thing I I wish, you know, people at home who send out missionaries would know is that, you know, just, it's, 
it only takes like 10 seconds to just reply and say, hey, you know, this is what's happening. If you could just say a quick prayer for us or something like that. And I would love to do that for our partners. You know, I'm always happy to do that. You know? So right there, there's the challenge. Either send a prayer request <laughs> or a list of what you had for lunch today to your missionary. <laughs> it will mean more than you think it means. Well, reading through that that list from that article, there are probably lots of missionaries listening to us who nod their head and say, yeah, I totally get that. And then there are the people who might be considering a call to serve in another country and think, based on that, why would I willingly choose this? So what keeps <laughs> you going and how is God working in your family's life right now in the midst of things that, yeah, are, are difficult? I think what keeps me going? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think because we love what we do, you know, we love, I, I, I mean, obviously there are challenges and there are disappointments, but I think the lower our expectation is, the more every day, you know, when we just, uh, when we see a neighbor and we're able to stop and have a conversation and we feel like, oh, we've just uh, built our relationship just a little bit more today. Like that's a, that creates a a huge wave of joy for me because I think, you know, we're moving slowly and there's always more room to get to know people just a little bit more each day. And that makes it exciting for me, you know, because you long for the day when, you know, you are in a trusting relationship with them that you can actually share about your faith. And so there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to anticipate. And so I that's what I find exciting is, oh, one day I'll get to really share what I want to share with them. And that's about Jesus, you know? Um, and I think just in general, I think missionary life, like I said, we're living life, just a normal life on the other side, but normal life for us is a little bit different. So I think that also creates a bit of adventure too, is every day, you know, um, Sometimes I just look around and I'm like, huh, how did I end up here? <laughs> like I look at the mountains, you know, we live at the foot of a mountain range. And I'm like, huh, how did I end up here of all places? And so, yeah, oftentimes I just look around and I say, I can't believe I get to live here. You know, I can't believe I get to do what I get to do. And so that makes it very satisfying. And also, um, yeah, it helps me be very content with, with what we are doing and, that's what keeps us going as well as, you know, um, enjoying what we do and also the hope that the people we um, build relationships with will one day come to know Christ. That list also talked about, I wish I could tell you about the perks. And since you brought it up, because when I first read <laughs> that, I thought, why is that a negative? And, and the article kind of explains, but is the mountain range, is that the perk? What's the perks for you? <laughs> yes, the perks for us. Um well, so like for vacation, I think it mentions, you know, people, some of the missionaries are afraid to post their vacation photos because of, you know, what people think. But like our family, we like to go camping. I never camped in the States because I felt like I could just never cut it. I tried it twice and I did not enjoy it at all. But in Taiwan, like camping is a whole other thing. Like there's clean bathrooms, clean showers, like totally manageable. And so that's kind of become like our family vacation is we go camping and it's cheap. You're in nature and you know, I, I've had a lot of people in the States say, oh, you go camping a lot. And I said, because it's, well, it's really cheap and everything's clean. There's things for kids to do. It's actually a nice breakaway. And so that's like one of the perks that I think of is, you know, we get to do things that people here may not like to do because the standards are so different. 
Um, but yeah, and and I think just living by the mountains, you know, I think I'm from Texas. We don't really have mountains near the cities. So to live right by the mountain and to see that every day, like I think that's a, a really beautiful picture to wake up to. I mean, I don't even like hiking or going in the mountains, but it's nice to look at every day, you know, so. It's nice yeah. to know that it's there if you want to. Yes. It's right there on your doorstep. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Totally yeah. get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Before we wrap up, what are some ways that people, now that they know you better and your family a little bit better, how can they be praying for you and supporting you? Um, I think for prayer, you know, we always tell people we really need workers to join us, um, especially in the rural. Like, uh, rural, I, I feel like is not so attractive because um, your lifestyle is so different. Things are not as convenient. Um and, you know, education-wise, you don't have as many choices as if you do in the city. So um, it's hard to attract people to rural ministry, but um, there is a great need for that. And there's a great, there's great opportunities, you know, and because there's so many opportunities, you know, we need people to come and, you know, yeah, we need people to come and be able to have a greater presence there, you know, more resources and things like that. So um, we would really appreciate prayer for workers to join us. Um, And I think just for health as well. I think the older I get, the more I'm realizing, you know, I, I have to stay healthy. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to last long on the field. So I think for health, um, keeping up, you know, stamina, um, just the physical ability to to keep up with ministry, and because we do a lot lots of ministry with families and and children, you know, you really have to have energy for that. So, and then we've got our own kids to to take care of. So we we realize more and more, you know, we we need to take care of our bodies better. Um, so just pray, just pray for good health. I think, yeah, and good rest when we when we do. Um, we don't take a lot of vacation, but when we, or not vacation, just take a lot of breaks. But when we do take breaks, you know, we often find it hard to rest even during those breaks. Um, so yeah, so just pray for good rest when we do rest. <laughs> and then just in general, just go to hell. Yeah. I'll have a link in the episode notes if uh, our listeners are interested in partnering with with Kat and her family. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Enjoy the rest of your time in Texas before going back. Thank you. To learn more about OMF, visit us at omf.org slash US.